Welcome to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm Pete Mazzetti. My guest this evening is photojournalist Peter Hivstack. Peter, welcome. Hey, thank hey, you buddy. for having me. Thank How you are you? Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming down. Thanks for coming down. Long time no see. We've talked about this for months, and yep. it, fi it, fi it finally came to fruition. Yeah, there were some bumps in the road. There were some bumps in the but road. But you made it work. I did. Well, thanks deal. for coming down. So, Peter, tell us, a, tell us a little bit about your photojournalistic career. <laughs> you got you have like 24 hours yeah like 40 pretty hours much maybe and go it, for it. once you get me on a roll you got to be careful because there you go well stop. i can do that well i think it all started with uh this camera mm -hmm. and, oh yeah uh, that's right uh it's a brownie camera that uh i run i recently had to go through uh a lot of my mother's things because she passed she okay. died of covid a year ago oh boy and uh I went through all the photographs that she had sitting around and noticed that this camera was over my neck uh, at different points in grammar school mm -hmm. and uh, up through fifth and sixth grade and, and then the rest was history. So what else do you want to know? Uh, what happened was uh, sometime in college, okay. uh, actually started in high school, I had a class where it was an, uh, an advanced English literature class, and I did a uh, photo essay of a poem of Lord Byron's called Darkness, Darkness. Okay. And, uh, and I actually got a halfway decent grade on it. Ah. So I went to college, and long story short, um, I was taking a graduate class, and, and my background, I, most of my family still lived in Czechoslovakia at okay. the time, which was still behind what we call the Iron Curtain. Yeah. And uh, it was part of the Soviet bloc, Czechoslovakia, and my family is from Slovakia. Mm -hmm. So I had a real deep interest in, I could speak the language at the time, and I had a deep interest in Eastern European affairs. So that's what the graduate course was about, Eastern mm -hmm. European, European affairs, Russian area studies, and uh, I had been to Slovakia a number of times, which is in middle Europe, middle of Europe, yep. right next to Austria, sure. Vienna, excuse me. Yeah, and uh, I remember being in Leningrad, what is today Saint Petersburg, and making some photographs, and also making some photographs in Poland. And I made photographs that I thought were special, and I, I still remember the photographs. And and I said I really like doing this. I, I bought a used Nikon. Uh, F camera yep. and had two lenses and um, that's what I took with me on my trip and I had other cameras in the past but uh, uh, this camera was beat up but it worked and I made some photographs that caught the attention of some people and I ended up as a student uh, being hired as a student employee at Southern Connecticut State University and worked for their public affairs department which I did for two years okay. and got paid for it and then I got a job working for a freelance photographer right after that, which kind of helped me uh, develop uh, ways of, of connecting with people because I was, for the most part, not shy, but, uh, and I think that was an important lesson to be learned because being a photojournalist, you have to engage. Absolutely. So I was very attracted to the idea of the photo essay and doing photo stories and, and what people call today street photography, mm -hmm. um, photojournalism, 
and uh, through, unbeknownst to me, um, I had some folks that were looking out after me and told folks at the New Haven Register about me, and I got a phone call from them, and the rest is history. There was a, a span in between in my career at the Register, I guess it was early on, where for approximately a year and a half I got a phone call from uh, United Technologies and Sikorsky Aircraft because mm -hmm. they had heard about me by and by and, and wanted to hire me. And uh, because of the photojournalism skills in their photography department, which had a, a film, dedicated film department and still, and it was wrapped up into one. So I worked there for a year and a half, traveled a little bit with them, uh, enough to, to make it interesting around the country and uh, um, wanted to get back into newspapering because I felt uncomfortable right. in that environment because there was, uh, uh, it didn't quite fit my personality. I liked the freedom of working in photojournalism and the idea of newspapers. The idea of newspapers to now, now are, it's pretty much gone, but Absolutely. back then, during that whole career, I was really blessed to have a job that I've actually loved my, you know, my whole entire working career. How long ago were you with the register? Um, oh goodness gracious! <laughs> For with the register, yeah, I think um, making a living, a, a living at it, close to fifty years. Okay. Um, and at the register, I'd say a good forty-seven years. Oh, wow! So it was the Journal Courier and the Register. Yes, that's right. Because uh, right. that the. Morning paper at the time was the General Courier, which was still affiliated with uh, the New Haven Register yes. and Jackson Newspapers and the Jackson family when most newspapers in the country were family-owned. That's right. And That's now right. it's, uh, now newspapers are corporate, most, by and large, corporate entities. Mm-hmm. Go and ahead. I was going to say, I understand we're going to take a look at some photos. Sure, let's do that. Let's take a look at some pictures. Yeah. Chris? Yeah. Now, what is this photo? Can you explain this? He's a, I can't think of his name, uh, but he was local, who also did really well nationally, and I can't think of his name, but uh, it was at Cafe 9 in New Haven, and, uh, you know, blues is part of the heritage of this country, the heritage of African Americans, um, phenomenal music, and also, uh, we had a feature section that was pretty dynamic in terms of both layouts and uh, usage of photographs. So uh, I lit it, and that's one of the things I, I really got into was uh, lighting my photographs, lighting my portrait photographs. And so um, being able to card all these lights in and uh, you know that you got that blue effect feeling, the right. blues and, and the red because there's a an edge, some sort of a, you know, sexual bad guy, you know, th th there's a whole thing about the blues that, that the reddish signifies, and um, he was just a great looking character, and really played the guitar well and sang well. He, uh, the famous blues player, I forget his name off the top of my head, you know, the thing about the crossroads, and this guy was trying to, uh, this blues player was trying to make it big, and he was at the crossroads, and connected with Satan. Satan said, I'll make you a rich man if you follow me. So he had a choice between where he was going to go, and uh, he chose the path that uh, Satan wanted him to. So that's a, 
that red back there had that, had that kind of a feeling for me. Okay. And should we take a look at another picture, Chris? Okay. So, and as you, you, you've seen a lot of things in my, my collection of photographs yes. that I've made. And this one is just an everyday photograph. And one of our, whenever it snowed or the weather was bad, whether it be a tornado or hurricanes, we didn't stay home. We went out and made photographs. And of this course. was like a simple snowstorm. And, uh, I mean, just look at it. It has a feeling to it. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, walking in the snow, pushing a cart, which is always an issue for somebody, kind of hard, and right. someone who may be elderly who has some sort of a, an issue with the back, and right. it just was one of these photographs they used to fill space and considered a throwaway by the editors. Right. <laughs> what caught you about that photograph? What, what, what caught me? Oh, I was going to say, what caught me about that photograph is just the way, just the way, just the way that the photograph looks and it basically tells the story of, yes, it snowed, but how, mm. how hard it is to push the, yeah. push the cart and it can be a struggle in the inclement weather. It can be a struggle for some people. What makes it, too, is that you have a lot of graphic things going on. Oh, absolutely. You know, the lines going in the back with the, where the tires went on the, on the road yeah. and right. so on and so forth. So you know, there's little minutia that makes a photograph good. And you know, got the main subject, and there's other things that contribute to that. Absolutely. Next photo, Chris. Ah, telephone. Yeah, and you know it's in another country. Yes. By, and in that particular phone booth, and it was a grab shot. I forget what country I was in, um, but uh, <laughs> I really do forget what country it was in, but. I just saw it happening, and I picked up my camera and barely had any time to focus because it was a quick kiss. And I saw it coming, and I had the camera, and I just picked it up and made the shot. So I guess that's what people call a snapshot. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And next photo, Chris. Aha. Okay, so I photographed every president, starting with and including Jerry Ford, and uh, I didn't photograph Jimmy Carter because I was working at Sikorsky Aircraft at the time. Okay. And every other president since, I did not do Obama. I did Michelle. Right. But I never... You didn't do him. Yeah, it didn't happen. So, um, and I photographed Biden a million times yeah. and Kamala Harris uh, at least once. But anyway, that being said, this was... He was getting ready to leave. It, this was in Ansonia. Okay. Um, the helicopter, Marine One, was in on a field, and um, I had a way of getting up close and personal with all the, the presidents. Um, and when the opportunity arose, and this just happened to be a good moment. And one thing that makes me laugh is the Secret Service guys. Yeah, right. But they knew who I was, yeah. so. Um, and it's always a tussle and trying to be, um, uh, trying to not get in other people's way to see him. So you have to work your way into a situation where okay. we're able to make a photograph like that. Okay. I believe we're going to take 
take a look at one more, then we're going to go to a break, but then we'll come sure, back and look at more. Sure, absolutely. Here we go. Shane Leno, you like this photograph. I do. I actually do like this photograph. Well, why do you like it? I like this, I like the photograph, I like this specific, this particular photograph because just of the way that he looks that he's animated. Yeah. Now he was, he was uh, not wealthy at the time. He was, you know, he was just coming up, he was struggling, he was playing second fiddle, you know, to other acts. And I think he was in Wallingford. And what's the name of the place up in Wallingford? It isn't the way it is today. There was a, a venue there. Okay. Um, and now it's a big venue. Uh, oh. But it, it was, was it the Oakdale? Yeah, yeah, it was at the Oakdale. Good. And uh, I'll tell you, this is a testament to reporters and the, yeah. and the writers that I work with who sometimes as photographers, we set up the assignments on some of them, but right. most of our assignments came from reporters and editors, right? Absolutely. So there was a, a one of the finest writers, and I worked with a number of really great writers, and his name was Frank Rizzo. And okay. he left us, he worked for the Hartford Current. And he's still out there working. and. Uh, uh, Freelancing, but doing a wonderful job. He does some stuff for Connecticut Magazine too, and he he set up all these great, great um, stories on these up-and-coming artists who mm -hmm. became superstars. And I had the opportunity to photograph many of them, really? as some of the other photographers I did also. So um, I just told him to jump up in the air. I'm looking for a good photograph, <laughs> and the background is awful. We're in his motel room, you know. Right. So you got to figure out a way on the spot. To, you know, I mean, look at the background. That's the sky. Exactly. And so he needed a clean background. He just was a personality. I needed to show who he was. And he smoked. He actually smoked pipes at the time. Really? Yeah. And I think that's a pipe. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, oh, that's right. He just did his thing. He was. You know, we walked in. He looked like this in his motel room. And he was sitting in the chair. And yeah. It was a terrible environment. So right, I tried exactly. to get him out of that environment and talk to him and engage with him, and that's in the old days of black and white, when we only shot black and white film. Exactly. Uh, for the most part, and then we, we finally came into an era where we did shoot color, but he was, all the people, many of, most of the people I photographed who, who uh, were personalities were really wonderful to, and easy. How were they? And easy, yep. Peter, would you mind sticking around for another segment? Nope, not at all. All right, we'll be right back. Smart TVs and streaming services have taken over the television industry. VSC TV is proud to announce our presence on Apple TV and Roku to make watching your favorite shows even easier. You can access this service by downloading the Cablecast ScreenWeave app. Then choose Valley Shore Community TV from the list of channels. Select VSC TV Live to watch our channel in full HD. Or pick a show from our on-demand video library. VSC TV is your local Connecticut Midshore Valley digital connection. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm Pete Mazzetti, sitting here with photojournalist Peter Hivsdak. Peter, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for sticking around. So I believe, we're, I believe we have some more photos to, we're going to take a look at and talk about. So Chris, if you please. <laughs> Aha. Speaking of. Right. 
More right. famous faces. Yeah, yeah. Um, Clinton versus Trump. Uh, yeah, it, what do you want to know, except for the fact that uh, they, she had handlers, and every time I photographed Hillary Clinton, it was, it was different than, than other, um, <laughs> other political figures. Because you had to deal with her handlers. Who were on the <laughs> national stage, yeah, they were really super tight. Um, uh, the number of occasions I had to photo photograph her in different situations. So yeah, and you know, you try and make something out of nothing. That's right. pretty much what my job was. You oh, put, absolutely. Like like Jay Leno and and you know, using the lighting. Let's say on that blues player, it's turning something into nothing. So you know, she was very popular. Right. And with with her supporters, yeah. extremely popular, and I believe she still is. Yeah. Absolutely. And whether you like her or not, people like her or not, she she does attract yeah. a crowd and Absolutely. they want to shoot photographs and selfies with them. And she always did this. The number of times I photographed her, she would do selfies and also yep. you'll see later Bill Clinton doing the same thing. I was going to say, I believe that's the next photo we're going to take a look at. There you go. Yeah. So this is, I forget where this is. I think this may have been in New Haven uh, at possibly Wilbercross High School, and he, okay. had a, and he had a rally there to support his wife during, his la during her last campaign yep. against Trump, and um, he is much different than his wife in terms of how he engages with the crowd. He is, he comes across as real. Yeah. I remember photographing, photographing him during his first term, and um, yeah, he has this thing, and uh, he's not afraid to come up close and personal, and he's loosey goosey. And oh yeah, oh, absolutely. So you know that kind of again, you had to turn something into nothing because right. a lot of these things start looking the same, and they're there to engage with the crowd. So I'm glad. I'm, sometimes I'm very lucky to get a halfway decent photograph out of out of <laughs> right. out of something like that. Exactly. I believe we're going to take a look at the next picture. Yeah, this is. For me, this is significant. Um, so, this is when we were still shooting film, color film, this color negative film. Mm -hmm. uh, this is when Haiti was in a really bad place. There okay. was um, uh, country was overthrown by General Cedrus, if I recall correctly, and. Uh, President Aristide, the, the duly elected president of Haiti, was kicked out, and Clinton decided to send in our troops. I mean, the streets were were pretty ugly. You know, they would throw tires full of gasoline on people and light them up on fire and junk like that. And I happened to be in City Soleil walking around, and. Uh, some of the folks I was with <laughs> didn't know where I was, and I heard their voices from a distance when they were getting ready to leave. Yeah. We were there on some specific stories that had to connect with Connecticut and the whole international story mm -hmm. of what was going on in Haiti. And uh, this was the first photograph I had to, I filed, we did stories every day. Mm -hmm. And we were down there for a while, and um, uh, that was the first, and they ran, the photographs and stories every day on page one that we would file, the reporter and I. Right. And uh, I worked with some AP guys and we processed film and toilet 
in a hotel, one of the hotels that had one of the few international telephone lines going out because you had to use a telephone right. line to connect to the internet. That's right? right. Or connect to AP where it would take a while. It's not instantaneous like it is today. So um, we only got one, I was only able to get one photo out that day and that was the photograph. And, and it just shows to me, um, you know, you have this, this kid holding on to a, a white doll that she found in the trash. The, 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 the living situation was abysmal. I mean, it was just brutal. And that's a sewer, right? I mean, that's, that, that's where people, yeah. that's the latrine. That's where people dumped their waste. That's where they went to the bathroom. Oh, good. And oh. that's where people lived. Yeah. And that was their kid's playground. So Cité Soleil, and that photograph was dramatic, and I, and okay. I, I waited till the guy was in the background of the picture because it added to the depth of it. And uh, it wasn't exactly a, uh, a storytelling photograph that, that talked about what was going on in the country at the time, but right. these people are impacted by the violence that was happening there. So, and here's this innocent kid. Right. So that to me was, and it impacted me emotionally. So I, I that's a big deal for me, that photograph, because it, uh, the image still strikes, with, strikes me and, and, and makes me feel certain things. Absolutely. I believe we're gonna take a look at the next photo, Chris? Yep. There we go. Oh, yeah. There, yeah, there go. he is. Okay, um, Dr. Henry Lee. Absolutely. And um, again, trying to turn nothing into something. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's so easy to go in there and get in and out and, yeah. and move on to the next thing, because sometimes we had two, three, four assignments a day, had to drive to where we're going, make the photograph, and then at the end of the day, put it all together so the editors can put it in the paper however it was gonna be used. Exactly. And so I also, besides big lighting that I did sometimes when I carried you know, big cases of yep. lights to light up something. Yeah. I would carry um, a small lighting gear that consisted of three to four, you know, smaller lights. Yep. And, and I used uh, radio remotes where I could, you know, had them on light stands. I had small light stands all mm -hmm. over the place, just like you guys have this studio right. lit. And I would light it in a specific way. And uh, that's the resulting photograph. And I, every time I photographed him in terms of making a portrait, especially when it was the examiner, the, the state's medical examiner. Yep. I, I made a photograph where, you know, I spent a couple hours with him, if not more than three hours making a photograph. This one was a lot quicker. So he, I found him really easy to photograph. He's definitely uh, a personality. Oh, he, absolutely. He likes attention. Oh, yeah. And knows how to work a camera. And I believe we can take a look at the next photo. Yeah, COVID, um, feeding people on the street, uh, homeless. Uh, this is the 180 Center in New Haven. Okay. Uh, 180 Center of New Haven. If anybody knows it, they can look at it online on Facebook or their website. They do wonderful work for the homeless and for the most desperate in the city of New Haven. Okay. And they're a, uh, a ministry, um, Christian-based ministry. Okay. And uh, at the height of COVID, when everybody's staying inside, all the photographers, Arnie Gold and myself and the yep. other 
Hearst Media Photographers, Hearst owning the New Haven Register yes. um, today. Uh, we were out on the street working, editors, reporters can work from home. Mm -hmm. So, and nobody knew what this COVID was all about. So, I, uh, Arnie and I usually came up with our own ideas how early on in COVID and how to illustrate the story that impacted our nation and the world and New Haven and the whole New Haven area. Absolutely. Yep. Next photo, Chris. Yep. Okay. So I have other photographs that riffed off of this one. Yep. <laughs> and you wouldn't let your daughter marry this guy. <laughs> so it was part of a, a Ku Klux Klan rally and there was, a, there was a period in Connecticut where there seemed to be a resurgence of the Ku Klux Klan and a smaller version of what it was down south. Okay. And it was kicking around for a while and I photographed almost every rally, every situation. The Ku Klux Klan was in not just for the New Haven Register but, or the General Courier, but mm -hmm. I had days off that were Fridays and Saturdays. So um, the Associated Press photographer yep. that covered Connecticut, that was his thing. And AP was really big at the time, as mm -hmm. was UPI. Uh, both of them were behemoths. Um, he hired me uh, to cover assignments on Fridays and Saturdays. So this was on a weekend, I think, and uh, it's a Ku Klux Klan rally. And this could have been for the register I shot this. Okay. So, but there were a lot of things that, uh, that I saw that, you know, it's Ku Klux Klan is... <laughs> Absolutely. It is what it is. But and you kind of wish they'd get go, going to dust. Absolutely. Go ahead. I was going to say, before we got a little bit more time, but before we say goodnight, we got to do a quick shout out. Sure. Speaking of media. Well, Paul Bass. You said it. I didn't. Paul Bass. Yeah. I think <laughs> the reason why I'm here is Paul Bass, and you're connected with Paul. Absolutely. Yeah. Through your uh, radio, the radio show. Your yeah, radio they, show. They where, actually. Where they, HQ is, and it's all Paul Bass. So, exactly. Great yeah, Paul, guy. Paul Bass is terrific. Uh, I've known him and known of him since he was a Yale student. Absolutely. And I was working, so I got a couple of years on Paul. Yeah, And uh, <laughs> uh, I'm glad that uh, you connected us because I got a chance to get to know you better, and I'm looking forward to getting to know you even more. So Absolutely. A, we'll, have you, we'll have you on again soon. Sounds good. All right. We're out of Sounds time. Good. But Peter Hivstack, thanks for some right. time. We'll, have, we'll see you again soon. All right. Good. On behalf of Pete Hipstack, I'm Pete Mazzetti. Thanks. Good night. We'll see you next time.